0: Spoiler
1: alert, here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. You know what happened in the subsequent week since last podcast? What's that? Immediately after the podcast ended, we got a call from our best friends, actually a text, that three weeks early, they were in labor at the IWK. That's amazing. Colin and Kath. So they had uh, that morning at 3 a.m., so Friday morning. Yeah. They had Little Baby Noah.
0: Oh, that's a, that's a good name. I like that name.
1: Yeah, it's a cool, it's a versatile name, right? Like, you could be a big, strong Noah. You could be an artsy Noah. Totally sensitive, a...
0: also, like, cool and kind of classic sounding. Yeah. You're right. Very versatile yeah. name. And uh, good for them. So, it was okay in the, having to be in, I know I already asked you about, like, the stresses of having to be in hospitals during this time. Like, that was an okay process, all things considered?
1: They were okay. Colin was um still allowed in, but he wasn't allowed in for like while she was being processed and stuff, which was like a two hour thing. Yeah. So he just had to wait in the car, which oh, wow sucks. But um but they, you know, they they did it all. He was he was texting me. I was considering pulling an all nighter. Yeah. And I'm really happy I didn't. Because, like, there's so much for them to do at that time, too. The last thing they're thinking about is texting their friend to be like, hey! Uh, it just
0: wouldn't have been fulfilling for you. You would have been up all night and you'd been like, I'm not sure I got anything out of this.
1: <laughs> well, and I woke up a couple times and I looked at my phone and I was like, oh, okay. I said, and then we got to call at 830 the next morning. <laughs> so it was like, thank God I went to bed.
0: Well, congratulations to them and welcome to the world, uh, little baby Noah. The world's going to get so much better than it was when Noah was born. <laughs> like yeah. He really came in at a low point. He bought low.
1: That's right. That's right. <laughs> How's
0: See, your week been otherwise? He
1: also bought a bunch of stock. Yeah? Yeah, he bought uh Air Canada as soon as he came out. He oh, was like Right on. I'm go- going going <laughs> on on this one.
0: Well apparently you should buy Amazon because he's about to become a trillionaire. That was the trending topic today. Bezos.
1: Bezos being a trillionaire? Yeah. I mean he's still so, he's only worth
0: hundred and eighty billion dollars only. yeah but apparently he's on track to become the world's first trillionaire that'll happen probably in goddamn no time he'll start like multiplying doubling his net worth really fast because he's just like he's making money off people's misery and death
1: yeah that's crazy has he donated much beyond the like couple million that he had already
0: pitifully little whereas jack dorsey who i would normally not uh defend because he's got his own issues um, yeah. But he gave a billion dollars cash, and he doesn't have I've, he doesn't have Jeff Bezos' money. Like he's probably worth like ten billion bucks. He gave away a tenth of his net worth, uh, and then he's still giving away millions of dollars this week. He also Jack Dorsey uh, announced that all Twitter employees are free to continue working from home after this ends, which sounds nice. But it also kind of is like oh, he's realizing now he can save a lot of money on renting office space <laughs> if everybody has a home yeah. office.
1: Do you think that? the home office like their campuses and stuff will shut down or do you think it'll just
0: i don't know i mean like we've been here we've been talking for uh, basically two months about um our predictions for how the world is going to be changed long term and what we're going to take away from this uh just emotionally and uh practically and i think that it's a crapshoot and none of us know what the hell we're talking about i have no idea what the world's going to look like
1: it's true That's true. I keep getting um, messages from my friends that are like, Hey, only like two deaths today. What do you guys think of like, not two deaths, sorry, two cases announced today. What do you guys think? Like, I I think we'll be opening up soon. Yeah. And I'm like, you guys are asking, like, I'm going to give permission. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, all we have to do is sit back and be told when to go back to, to work. Like, you know, we're not going to be able to go convince people to let us do stuff again so that, just chill
0: that and they have said like dr Strang said this week i heard the second hand through becky but he is uh happy to err on the side of caution and keep things closed for longer than open them early because jimmy kimmel did a really great uh analogy last night about about picking a scab i don't know if you saw that but he's like oh no i didn't opening too early is like picking a scab underneath maybe the thing is healed but if it's not you got to start over again and that's exactly what it's like, and and right. and so many communities are rushing to reopen, not because it's there's any anecdotal indication that it's safe to do so, but because they can spin it that way because they're bored or because they're sick of not making as much money. Um, I mean, it, that's an American discussion, but it's happening all over. I wasn't really in favor of them opening the parks two weeks ago when they did. I, I found that really hasty.
1: Yeah, I remember you saying that. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's gonna be. You know, week by week, there's going to be people on both sides. It's a divisive disease, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I guess divisive
0: so. virus. Well, everything is divisive right now. Yeah, you're right. there's a hot take. See how you brought something so wonderful to the table, like new life, and I was like, yeah, but billionaires and death. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean that uh, that's that's the world we live in.
0: Yeah, I am. Uh, I am at fault. How's your week going? Otherwise
1: uh pretty good i had a moment yesterday where i went like how is it not friday today
0: my god this week has just been endless for me and emotionally taxing and i i'll bundle it all up i remember you saying last week you had a bit of a moment at one point last week i was doing okay this week i've been having moments like every other day yeah yeah
1: yeah you're just like "Oh, oh like frustration wants to come out.
0: Yeah, or maybe it's even more than frustration. I don't know how to define it. (laughs) I don't know what I want to call it, but this week was like, I was just tired every day and I keep pushing our plans to, last week we got up really early on a weekday and went for a run because we decided like the safest way to go for a run is to do it at like 6.30 in the morning. Um, And so that was really effective last Wednesday and we got a lot from it, like just energetically. It was really, uh, really gratifying. And Becky was like, do you want to do it again this Wednesday? I was like, okay. And then Tuesday night came and I was like, there's no way I'm getting up tomorrow morning to go for a run with you. Yeah. And she's like, okay, we'll just do it on Thursday. And then uh, Wednesday night comes and, and I was like, yeah, I'm not getting up. And then it just happened before we started the podcast. She's like, are we going to go for a run tomorrow? And I was like, nope, <laughs> we can go on the weekend. But it's, oh, yeah. I'm, already, I'm already changing my mind because I think like, what I need to do is uh, reclaim my week by, by doing something positive.
1: Dude, totally true. And once you're up, like once you're moving, even you might not start like loving it, but then by the end of it, you'll be like, thank God I did that.
0: Thank God I did that. And I did morning radio for two years. I am well versed yeah. in the philosophy of once you're on your feet, the hard part's over.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't have to school you on waking up.
0: No, but I, I still need to school myself on <laughs> waking up because yeah. I because I wake up and I'm my worst self.
1: Nah. You know what? Uh, you know what gave me some uh, joy today. Please tell. me. I started talking talking with a friend about um, Simon Rich because he's got that movie that he's developing, an uh, uh, American pickle. Okay. So it's originally a Simon Rich story. That's what it is. Okay, Simon Rich,
0: the writer from SNL. That's right. I didn't yeah. know it was connected. But I have, of course, heard about American Pickle, which is the Seth Rogen Netflix movie. It's like a time travel comedy, I guess, where he's like an immigrant worker, a factory worker, who's preserved for a century in a vat of pickle juice and then wakes up in 2020. Is that correct?
1: That's right. And my friend sent me the original story by Simon Rich like eight years ago. Okay. And I read it, and I remember liking it. I didn't go and read it again, but I did start reading Simon Rich-related stuff. And then I downloaded two audiobooks by Simon Rich. Oh, cool. One of which I finished over lunchtime because it was um, a 40-minute one uh, called Screwball. Did you hear about this one at all? No. It's narrated by Beck Bennett. Okay. And it's all about, like, Babe Ruth. Sure. And it's told from the perspective of Babe Ruth um, being, like, before he gets to the big leagues and being just a... uh, A huge idiot, like he really admires this guy on the team who's the son of the manager who's really bad at baseball, and he doesn't understand how good he is at baseball. Okay. And man, it it was making me laugh out loud like multiple times. And it was part back then too, like his delivery was really good. I'm
0: losing you here. We're getting a lot of delay, and sometimes your audio cuts out, and then it does that speed up thing where it replays what we missed.
1: Oh, no. Oh
0: um we're a little cursed tonight i think that sounds very funny though and i'll look into that i in general god damn it i in general uh long for the lost art of absurdist short storytelling i feel like like david sedaris writes these funny personal essays but people just writing completely off the wall like abstract fiction like uh suppositional fiction like that that doesn't really exist in any format and it's cool that he's doing that i mean he also created that uh that daniel radcliffe steve buscemi afterlife show
1: yeah and i was telling him a little bit about that and then so we just started doing a deep dive and i saw this article from him in the new yorker where he was recommending some things that he thought were really funny too and i'll send you the link after this pod yeah because it's great
0: okay so are those available as like spotify audiobooks or is it uh Does he just put them up for free?
1: No, I got them off Audible. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Oh, you're doing more of the audiobook thing. You mentioned that last (laughs) week.
1: I am swimming in Audible credits, baby. Audible has us by the balls. Once you sign up for a subscription, you soon realize you've got like 12 credits from the past year and you got to use them.
0: Well, you don't lose them, right? Like, do they? No,
1: you don't. You don't lose them, but you can't get rid of the account and still have the credits.
0: No, in fact, you can't really get rid of your account at all. Like, I had Audible, found I wasn't using it, stopped paying for it, and then I downloaded the app, and it was like, here's all the books that you bought a long time ago. Like, you still own the books, and if you sign back up, like your your library just starts like totaling up again. It's actually kind of a here we are (laughs) advertising for Audible. It's a pretty excellent (laughs) little service.
1: Yeah, it's it's totally – once you start getting into it, like it's worth the money.
0: I think so. I have listened to so and many – I'm, I'm listening to so many podcasts, and, and and they're still stacking up. Like I understand that some people are listening to fewer podcasts because they're just at home all the time. My lifestyle hasn't changed enough, and I just feel like there's too many things to ever be done.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, I have to uh, put in a new fence this weekend. Oh, all right. Okay, Wilson. Can you build handle that? The fence. Yeah, I think it's going to be easier than, like, the chairs were. It's, it's a bigger structure, but the framework is there. I just need to replace stuff.
0: When you say you have to put in a fence this weekend, have you been, like, contracted to do so, or are you just, like, you realize it's been time for you to get a fence for a little while?
1: It's the second one. Okay. We, we have a fence. It's just, like, this year it started rotting, and one by one planks have just been falling down, and it's been driving us crazy. And it is because, definitely
0: up to you. It's not up to the neighbors to take care of that fence.
1: Yeah, because we're like, they're like down a cliff. It's our like back one that we see from our deck, like the very back one. Well, you've
0: surprised me in the past when it comes to handiwork.
1: I know. I don't, I I don't know whether to be thankful or insulted by that remark. I think
0: just because like you don't, you don't lead the life of someone who's always talking about the things that you build with your hands. It's not that I think that you you're That's like fair. you're like a clumsy person, but like you know how I kind of play up the "gee, am I good for anything?" vibe. You don't do that, so I don't. You, you're
1: a, you're you, a big question mark, Matt. You kind of paint yourself as someone who uh, should be on like an infomercial, <laughs> <laughs> like oh, these wires from the headphones, and all of a sudden your house is on fire. What
0: this is happening again.
1: Ugh. Yeah. mama mia
0: (laughs) there's not a whole lot of entertainment news that we can cover right now i would like to talk about um survivor the finale if you don't mind sure so floor is yours yes so this was the end of survivor season 40 the end of their 20th anniversary very big deal it's the all winners winners at war season so they brought back uh 20 of the 39 different people who have won survivor in the past. And it was supposed to be like a bloodbath, like a really charismatic, exciting, um, broad stretch of people who will, of course, respect the integrity of the game. It was indeed among the best seasons of Survivor ever. It rarely disappointed. Um, and it resolved really nicely, too. But I'll give you a little background about what made the finale quite suspenseful and what's a little bit controversial among fans. A couple of years ago, uh, they introduced a new mechanic called the Edge of Extinction in Survivor. It's kind of a new evolution of something they've dabbled in before, which is a sort of survivor purgatory where you're uh, eliminated from the game, which is to say you're voted out, but you still have a chance to win your way back in. So it's not necessarily over. Uh, right. You're eliminated, you're voted out, and then they send you off to another island, an even more desolate, um, bare bones island where you just have to kind of like sit around and bond with other uh, evacuees, other cast offs. Uh, Until comes the battle back challenge where you get an opportunity to win your way back into the game late in the game They have a challenge called the battle back challenge and one person who has been exiled Gets to win their way back in and the first time they did it This guy named chris underwood who'd been voted out pretty early on in the game. Maybe like a third of the way through uh won his way back into the game And then he started doing pretty good for the short time that was remaining in the game won the final immunity challenge and uh guaranteed himself a spot in the final three which is the final tribal council and he would be able to plead his case to win the million dollar prize and so that's like quite uh that's quite a journey from having been eliminated to then be in the finals but what's in, what's interesting about what chris did was in that final immunity he actually gave his immunity away and said I don't want this. I want to fight for it. I need to prove that I deserve to be here. I've spent the whole, challenge, the whole season on that beach, not strategizing with everyone else who never got voted out. Uh, I'm going to give away my immunity and I'm going to partake in this little fire-making challenge and earn my keep. And he did, and it won him the season. And producers loved that about Survivor, Edge of Extinction, because the new mechanic they introduced proved to be effective. It was like it completely defined that season. But it was controversial among fans because people don't like, for one, that when you get voted out, it doesn't really mean you've been voted out anymore. It kind of neuters the extinction of your torch. And also because Chris spent so much of the season not playing the game of Survivor and still won, that kind of feels wrong. So uh, we come to season 40, Winners at War, they decide to bring back Edge of Extinction. And the very first person to get voted out of the game, the first of 20 people, is this uh, woman, Natalie. She gets voted. So out. wait,
1: was was it gone from that season on? Yeah, As they did. Extension? They did
0: two or three where they just didn't exist. They just didn't do it. Okay, but they brought it back, and I think they brought it back this time because they were bringing back all these like celebrity players, right? And like sure. you'd be disappointed if Boston Rob got voted out really early and then he was just never seen or heard from again. It's a way to keep these star players on television. Um, so this Natalie gets voted out first. She's the first eliminated from the season. And
1: did I lose you? Yeah, you froze up there for a sec, but keep. I got you now.
0: And then she wins the battleback challenge. She wins her way into the top five. She has an immunity idol that she's brought with her, so she's in her top four. She wins an immunity, and she's in the final three. And she does not choose to give away her immunity to earn her keep. She chooses to sit there. And so she doesn't win in the end. Um, this guy, Tony Vlacos wins, and he was like one of the most entertaining people ever to play the game, and he totally deserved to win. So that was really gratifying. But like Natalie got four votes in the final tribal council, not just because she was energized from not having to strategize throughout the game, but because she had just spent two weeks on Extinction Island bonding with the jury who had also been eliminated, becoming friends with the people who would eventually vote for her to win. And she never, so she's like very, she was very dominant in the few days she played Survivor, but she, she didn't really play survivor and she almost won and so this has been like i know it's a really long uh long walk for a short drink of water as you say but it was it's this like really controversial mechanic that almost spoiled what was supposed to be the greatest season of survivor ever and it didn't so who won this guy tony who's like a new jersey cop it was his third time playing uh, he and this other police officer, Sarah, have like the most beautiful friendship that's ever been created on Survivor. Like I remember when they, they first played together, all three of their uh, their seasons, they played together. He won one, she won one, and then he won this third one. Um, and I remember they were like meeting. And for whatever reason, he decided he was going to lie that that cops are controversial. Not everybody likes cops. So he's going to go out there and tell everybody he works in construction. And so he's like, Hi, I'm Tony. I work in construction. And they cut to Sarah's little confessional. And she's like, I know cops. That guy's a cop. <laughs> I know. No for, way. I know for sure. I know what cops are. And he's one. <laughs> and what, what was she? she's also a police officer. That's the thing.
1: Oh, she is. Yeah, and so oh, that's fucking and so, amazing. And
0: so she went to him and she's like, "I know you're a police officer because I'm a police officer and I know police officers." And so they formed this little alliance called Cops RS, which is permeated through their three seasons. They just have like the most beautiful, lovely to watch friendship and he's like he's a character and it's I I only say all this to say that uh there's this idea that survivors like not cool anymore and that's bananas. It is still some of the best television that exists and I really advocate people watch Survivor. You get dud seasons, you certainly get dud players, but it is like honest entertainment. They're getting real entertainment out of something where so many shows are just fluff, and I, I, I find it so gratifying.
1: I think CBS has an opportunity to actually play seasons one through 40 over again in the time that they just have free right now.
0: Yeah, that's true, and they could certainly put it on CBS All Access, they might have already. Right. I don't know how much rewatch ability Survivor would have.
1: Yeah, that's true. But I almost, I kind of want to now catch up, <laughs> but well, forty seasons is so daunting.
0: And you wouldn't, you wouldn't really know. Like, it's not like it would be spoiled for you.
1: No, no, exactly. It's just like it's like watching sports that you've never seen before.
0: Well, maybe that's the itch that it's scratching for me because I don't really watch sports, but like I do get invested in players and strategy.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's what uh, that's what Bill Simmons says. He's like, "This is the closest I have to sports right now," so I'm all in on Survivor. This <laughs> and season. it's over too. And Dude, so where did how? how yeah, how did Boston Rob do?
0: Uh, he was disappointed. He didn't do quite as well as he wanted to. He got he got voted out about halfway through. He he was really doing great. He had some like classic Boston Rob moments. There was this one great moment where, and it always amazes me that people like. Gets so starstruck by Boston Rob that they choose to play with him rather than vote him out when he's this huge threat. Um, yeah. And then he just like, he dominates them. And so for the first little while, he had a couple of great moments. There was this great tribal council moment where he was trying to convince other people that he didn't have a secret immunity idol. And so he was just like, everybody empty their bags and just like puppies they all just stood up and emptied their bags like like he was the boss. Like he like you don't have to listen to him, but he just like yeah. he has this his this command and this charm. And then he got voted out cuz he he just made like kind of a bad call and it it uh blew up in his face. But like he was interesting to watch just as like an emotional figure uh and soldier of the game because he really like he really wears his heart on his sleeve when he loses cuz he loves the game so much and his wife Amber was there cuz she she won before he did. Um it was good it was it was emotional. I like cried a few times through through Survivor this year.
1: Wow, that's powerful. but you know me i, I um did you get emotional at all? No, you didn't get emotional because you're not a big Seinfeld fan, but when Jerry Stiller passed away
0: i didn't and i i don't almost don't even get it like is it just that like people have spent a lot of time with
1: him? That's exactly what it is he's ninety two years old, so like I said that to Jen yesterday I was like. Uh, that's sad. She was like, he was 92. Yeah. <laughs> went, well, but yeah, maybe it's sad for Ben Stiller.
0: <laughs> it for sure is, bad, is sad for Ben Stiller. Uh, yeah. But it's not like certain phraseology, like the world lost a great one. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, and I don't know. I don't have an opinion on him. He's certainly very funny anytime I saw him, but like he is so old.
1: Yeah, 100%. Like it's almost hard to believe that he was Ben Stiller's father. Well,
0: uh, and Ben Stiller's mom died probably five years ago.
1: Oh, uh, is that right? Yeah, I did not know. You that. don't see much Ben Stiller.
0: Him. He was like he was like one of the big movie stars in the world ten years ago, and he like does one thing every two years. Sometimes it's small.
1: Yeah. Did you watch um, that Netflix special? Uh, it's a documentary called like, uh, it's something about like psychedelic adventures, and it's just random actors talking about their experience with psychedelics
0: no that sounds kind of cool
1: and it's mainly people in the world of comedy although they do have like sting uh they go into like you know like nick kroll and ben stiller and david cross and it's all these people just kind of like telling their stories and then there's like a little animated story along with and it's about an hour 20 minutes long it was very entertaining i did
0: watch uh jerry seinfeld speaking of seinfeld Twenty-three hours to kill.
1: You watched the special.
0: I didn't like it that much. You didn't? No, not really. So,
1: so on the scale of great to suck, you, you thought it sucked.
0: It was like a four or five. There are a few, a few good laughs. Like there are a few genuinely well-crafted jokes because that's what you expect from him. But I heard jokes that I heard him tell ten years ago. Like, it, that's... and you do hear that about Jerry—that he's not a, a purveyor of this philosophy that you have to throw at your act—and that's fine. There's certainly a lot of jokes I hadn't heard before. But it's just like I said to Becky at one point, like, we don't know anything about Jerry from listening to this. He, the first half hour is all like classic Seinfeld observational. Pop tarts are weird, right? And then the second right. half, he kicks it off by saying, okay, we're going to shift gears and talk a little bit about me. I'm going to make it personal. You know, I'm married. But then he doesn't talk about his wife. He just talks about marriage. So yeah. it's, it doesn't get personal. And it's just more of the uh, old man shaking his fist at a cloud meme.
1: You got a lot of. uh You want to do this? You can't tell her that. Right. You well, can't say that to her.
0: Well, the joke everybody's ripping him for right now, because just because how like cliche it is, is like one of his long bits in the special is they call them smartphones, but they're not smarter than us. We could be smarter than phones, and it's just it's <laughs> so dumb. It's like it, it was kind of a waste of time.
1: Did you find I? I don't know. I, I although like. As far as LOLs go, like, oh, I did on. not have many. You watched it. I watched it,
0: yeah. Oh, see, I've been so selfish tonight. I'm not even asking you if you watch the thing that I'm, like, ranting about.
1: I referenced the scale of great to sucks. I thought you were asking me because, like, no. I don't know. I don't know. He's like, the whole thing where he talks, I thought that was actually kind of smart. He's like, people either say it's great or it sucks. There's no in between anymore. Like, if you kind of like something, it's great
0: yeah but that was in the trailer the best bit was in the trailer
1: oh was it see, yeah i didn't see the trailer
0: i gotta stop watching trailers i'm sorry i didn't think to ask you if you had seen it i thought it was just not that great
1: i actually watched it like two weeks ago and i meant to bring it up last week so thank you for bringing it up this time
0: what else have you watched because i did watch a lot of tv in the last week and i enjoyed all of it
1: finished never have i ever last friday <laughs> Is, isn't it lovely though watch it all yeah. it was very funny yeah it? yeah very funny good feels um watch that psychedelic special um god what else did we watch
0: so i watched all of dead to me season two in three sittings um and it's really good it's like it starts out a little soapy they pull the twin card pretty fast um and so that's obviously a red flag but then it was fine and it was like it got to be really good and every episode ends with a oh no And the two of them, like, it must have been exhausting to shoot. I don't know if it took, like, three months to shoot a season of Dead to Me. They must have been gutted by the end of it because they are crying in every season, every scene.
1: I watched the first episode of Dead to Me, and I did like it. Like, I'm okay with – I might continue watching that.
0: I hope you will. I'd love to talk to you about it. I just just find them both so good. Uh, and, And obviously, like, Christina Applegate is the one who's obviously good because she's so hardcore in it. But Linda Cardellini is like really great as, as this kind of like flaky, lovey-dovey weirdo. I don't know. I think they're both they're amazing together. Their chemistry is really great, and the show is not an Emmy type show because it's kind of, kind of goofy and soapy, but also kind of like trashy in a lovely way. Yeah. But, but they're both people, giving Emmy quality performances.
1: I think people like it a lot. Yeah. Like I think it's it might find its own footing.
0: I, I watched... We finished it this morning. Uh, the rest of Hollywood. The Ryan no. Murphy show. You know what? It's pretty good. No. You,
1: yeah, you're going to say that because yeah. it's a show that you would like. Well, and shouldn't that be what it's all about? 100%. It's 100%. I,
0: I will say it kind of... Ge- it's, 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 it's its most crass early on. Like the crassness goes down. Like the first episode, he becomes like a gigolo at a gas station, right? Like... Yeah. Re- like you're not going to watch it. So I'll spoil it. And everyone else had the chance to watch it. It's like in the first episode, he's like, I've come to Hollywood, but I'm going to work at this gas station and, and have sex with old ladies until I can get a part in a movie at the end of the movie or at the end of the season, their movie has been made and they all win Academy awards. So like the thing, (laughs) the thing moves at a clip, (laughs) like, and at a couple of points, like something happens and you're like, I didn't know there were a couple. Oh, I guess they're married now. And it's like, they're like, they're moving really fast, but all of the salacious stuff kind of goes away after the second or third episode, and it just kind of becomes this like really optimistic "what could have been" portrait of of Hollywood if it wasn't bigoted, or if rather, if the non-bigoted people uh, prevailed a lot sooner.
1: And it was kind of sweet. That's that's good. I, I like the revisionist history element of it,
0: and the acting is quite good. This this main guy who who played Jack, I. I I am very excited for him to be a movie star. There's no decent reason in my mind why he isn't one. Um, and, and so I look forward to seeing more of that guy.
1: He's got, yeah, a leading man written all over him. I think so. Definitely. Did yeah.
0: hear about Hamilton? Um,
1: yeah, everyone's really excited about that coming to Disney+. Plus. That's not
0: a small deal. So it was supposed to come out in October of 2021 in theaters. They moved it to July 3rd. That's like 15 months early when they're canceling the theatrical release for streaming.
1: That's a big deal. But also this Broadway's not be, making
0: any money right now.
1: This has to be the biggest deal for um, an onstage play in a while. Like There, there have been like a million onstage plays plays that have aired on pbs and stuff starring like you know like uh the dude from the wire who played mcnulty like yeah. and like just like impressive plays and you would also think that a lot of people have already seen this in some form
0: yeah i've seen a cam version of it yeah yeah it's pretty cool
1: i just it was it okay well maybe, and I, maybe I
0: i know the music really well like i've, I've listened
1: Ugh. excuse me God, what? <laughs> ah. You are not giving away your snot.
0: <laughs> no, I, I I listened to that soundtrack so much. It is, I've said to you before, like, as as kind of cliche and boring as it is to say about something that everybody agrees is amazing, it is in the in the truest sense a genuine masterpiece. Like it is among the best creations of art I've ever experienced, Hamilton.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. it's fun.
0: It's I, uh, not just like wow no it's it's a blast
1: so it'll be a big deal
0: and um it'll probably get disney plus some new subscribers like i'm sure there's a lot of overlap among people who love musical theater and also old disney movies but to the extent that there's not uh musical theater like stage musical uh fandom is just as powerful as star wars fandom marvel fandom Disney princess Mm -hmm. fandom like that'll probably bring people aboard that's why they're doing it
1: I'm just waiting for 2022 when they release the butthole cut
0: of Hamilton (laughs) (laughs) that'll really bring aboard subscribers
1: (laughs) uh did you see that Netflix saved its average user 9.1 days of commercials in 2019
0: I did see that and I I also wonder like what's that stat going to be next year We've all watched way more Netflix.
1: Oh, my God. We're going to be, like, in the future. Yeah. Uh, but I also um, want to know, like,
0: how much time do we spend scrolling through Netflix to find something to watch? Because some of that time is made up in just, like, coaxing through, like, scrolling through the same categories over and over again. It's not that efficient to find something to watch on Netflix. You waste it's time there, true. too. true.
1: And actually, on the version that I, that is on my smart TV, a trailer plays anytime you stop on a show.
0: Oh, I can turn that off for you. You got to turn that off.
1: Oh, you can turn that off? Yes. It's That's horrible. settings thing?
0: It's horrible.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. The amount of uh, times that it's been stuck on Grey's Anatomy and it's George saying, does anybody else feel like they have no idea what's going on here? Is, uh, I like, it's infuriating.
0: I know. It's... It- I don't know why anybody would like it, but I had this horrible habit of just, like, needing to continue scrolling just so nothing would start. Uh, yes, I don't, exactly. I, don't, I, I want the option to watch a trailer when I press a button. I don't know why that's not more widely available. Uh, but, yeah, no. I, you turn the, You need to do it on your PC. Log into your Netflix from your PC and go into your settings, and you can turn it off there.
1: Incredible! Yeah. I will do that.
0: Yeah, ah, I
1: did not know that. Oh, that's so amazing! And I would never have figured out that you could do it from your PC.
0: Yeah, yeah, game changer. And Thank you. can Just you, scroll in peace at your own at your own peace and pleasure. Amazing! Uh, your your uh, show upload got renewed already
1: already for season two. Upload was great, man. I really like. That's another one of those shows that I would implore you to continue watching. I couldn't see you not liking it by the end.
0: I just didn't like the pilot, but I didn't hate it so much that I shouldn't try it again. Like, I'll probably put one on tonight, now that I think about like it. Like, I
1: was, oh, you should. I yeah. was talking to Brent last night, who just finished it. They finished it in, like, three days, too. And he said, man, like, because I said, uh, I tried to tell Sweets to keep watching it, but I don't think he will, because he was just out after the pilot. And he was like, oh, my God, it changes so much after the pilot.
0: Okay, that's yeah, good. That's good.
1: It's It's one of those things that proves our show wrong.
0: That's a lot of shows.
1: <laughs> pilots That's are not a, lot shows, they're yeah. not
0: a great uh, benchmark for whether or not you should watch something. Unless it's like Netflix or HBO. I mean, I realize this is also a streaming show, but like pilots are a tricky beast to make good.
1: Speaking of that, are you still watching Run?
0: Yeah. Are, are you liking
1: it? No. Yeah, I am liking
0: it. It is not a Hamilton masterpiece. Uh, no. But it's, uh, you know, it's, it's fun. Like some wacky stuff has happened. It's pretty far fetched. Um, also, Phoebe Waller-Bridge turned up in like this really small cameo bit part this week, and she had an American accent. She's good at a lot of things. American accents are not one of them.
1: <laughs> no, oh, <laughs> no, that sucks.
0: Um, it's a fun show because they're both so likable, and they've done this shitty thing in the in the premise of the show, and so we'll keep it up. Um, okay. I hope I hope it resolves because I don't. You don't hear any buzz about it. I don't really see it going anywhere. Beyond the first season, so I really hope it's conclusive. But I'm not going to give it up now. It's kind of fun.
1: Sure, yeah, it's pulpy, yeah, absolutely. Okay,
0: that is all I have um, for entertainment news. Do you have anything else?
1: I don't think so. Uh, Eric Andre's got a stand-up special that's going to be coming to Netflix. I don't. I never got him. No. No. Oh, uh, I saw him live in Halifax. I've got a selfie with him. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's kind of neat. Um, no, I think that's pretty much it. I watched that show, Duncanville, last night. Did Have you heard of that? No. It's, um, so it's uh, Amy Poehler and Rashida Jones. Oh. And like, it's a cartoon. It's an animated series.
0: That's Ty right. Ty Burrell
1: plays the that's, dad. That's
0: right. Yes.
1: Yeah. It wasn't awful. It wasn't. Like uh, an LOL fest. It was just kind of like, so that's what it's like when they do an animated show. And Amy plays this like,
0: Amy plays like a junior high little boy named Duncan? Yes. Yes.
1: And also the mom. Oh, okay. Yeah. But uh, it it was, we watched one episode and switched up the gameplay.
0: Do you think because she used to date Nick Kroll that this is her response to Big Mouth? Like, he was probably developing big mouth like, Oh, it's actually a really interesting process to create an animated comedy with all your friends. And it can be about like raunchy stuff now. Cause it's 2018.
1: I wonder, I can't really see them like not getting along with each other. Even after breaking up, I'm not saying what it's like a vengeful
0: thing. Like... I she just might've taken that away as an inspiration.
1: Oh, that's possible. That's possible. Well, it was created by like Mike Scully and the other Scully guy mm. who were involved in other uh, NBC comedy adjacent projects. Yeah, so I think she must have like. I don't think she turns down a whole lot, especially when like friends are involved. That's nice, though. Yeah, it's a great quality. Yeah. Um. So I I, I think she was like, sure, I'll do it. Let's just do it. Cool. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, it's uh, anyway.
0: If you want to talk about shows, it, it is your turn to pick which one you would like to to recap and look at this. I got oh, a, I got a little stopwatch. Beauty. Yeah. So I, can, you, can you see it?
1: I can see it. All right. I'm going to, uh, I guess I'll recap Normal People.
0: Okay. You recap the first episode of Normal People, which is like a big deal, eh?
1: Yes. Yes, I know. And very hard to find. Okay. All right. So I'm going to recap Normal People. You count me down? Yes. In three,
0: two, one, go.
1: Okay, Marianne is a high school student with no friends who seems to have uh, good grades but has a troubled home life because of her overbearing mother and asshole brother. Connell is a stud rugby player who gets good grades despite hanging out with a crew of uh, mean knobs. Seems to be a relatively kind person and uh, his mom cleans Marianne's house to give you an idea of the class difference. But Marianne likes him so uh, she tells him that. They kiss a couple times and apparently they're going to have crazy sex in the future. And that's twenty
0: nine that that's like an understood thing about the show that they're gonna have crazy sex in the future
1: <laughs> no that's that's what I've seen uh online yeah, they do people are like they have people have problems with the sex had in the show do they really have you're problems? gonna finish this show I know you are
0: I'm well on my way, yeah, <laughs> I love this show <laughs> I think it's excellent
1: I, I knew I knew you'd really like it after watching it and and I like it too actually it's um it's slow burn. It's a slow burn, and I like that they don't give everything, you know, it didn't go all the way in the first episode. It was just kinda like, uh, spent a lot of time in development.
0: It's just very quiet, they don't say a lot, but they say a lot with what little they say, and conversely, she's actually very forward. Like, she does say to him, like, they've had these like awkward little conversations when he's picking up his mom from work, and they're like clearly not from the same background at all, Uh, And then she's just very forward and she says, I like you. And he's like, "Ah, ah, 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 ah." and the next day he kind of implies that he likes her too, but he won't commit to saying that because of like the class dichotomy between them and because she doesn't fit in with his friends. And so there kind of develops this weird idea where it's like, okay, they're going to see each other, but no one can know, which feels a little psycho unless both of them have the same wish. And like early on, I don't really get the sense that she is, as into the privacy of their relationship as he
1: is. But he does seem like a good well, guy. Although she does suggest it. She does say... I think she just wants him that bad though, no? No one has to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. true, true. She's one of those characters though, who you're like, why does everyone hate her so much?
0: I know, that is uh, <laughs> that is something I struggle with, or like, I don't know if it happens in the first or the second episode, but they like regularly call her ugly, and she's not. <laughs>
1: no 100% not that yeah that is that is a flaw like if if her whole thing is supposed to be that she's teased because she is ugly yeah then she looks like Anne Hathaway
0: yeah yeah
1: she's a very attractive human
0: right and and I've talked before about how I a little bit struggle with the -the on-the-nose nature of depicting high school bullying like people are, are mean to each other uh when they're young but like it's just so overt like I don't and maybe this happened and I just didn't experience it, but like creepy guys like shouting, Hey, you are ugly and you're flat chested. I don't remember that happening in my high school. I mean, definitely, definitely guys could be mean to girls and like vice versa. And people could be mean to people, but it's just, it seemed more quiet and insidious than that, where it's just so overt
1: in television. I think it's lazy. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. Um, And she's, she also seemed to do things that like, students would appreciate like her kind of telling off teachers and like not giving an F
0: when she motes off at that teacher in the beginning that you're right. That would make her popular with the obnoxious popular kids.
1: Yeah. People would be, and like, except for this sweetheart of a human who's like, you know, he's actually a pretty good guy. Like you don't have to go so crazy.
0: <laughs> Becky pointed out when she saw this guy, um, Connell, that he looks like one of the, the Paul brothers from YouTube. And he really does. He has like this really uh, wide neck, his wide neck and Roman nose, and it's not fair, <laughs> but he does look he, like them.
1: That's true. And he also, well, he's a rugby player. Like they, like they, you know, they casted that pretty well.
0: I wondered what that sport was, though, because like it wasn't a rugby ball; it was spherical, right? And they were like they were. It just didn't strike. I couldn't figure out what sport that was.
1: It was this. It was a complete like orb, like a circle.
0: Yeah, it was like a soccer ball, but they seem to be playing rugby rules or football rules, and then in the second episode, she calls it football. And so I guess that means it's soccer, but then wasn't there like something else about it that I found kind of strange? Well,
1: yeah, there was a there was a goalie, and I don't think there's a goalie in rugby. So I have no idea what this game is.
0: I don't know. Something something that he's good at, evidently.
1: Yeah, or maybe it's a twist on rugby that I don't know about.
0: It doesn't seem to have a whole lot of um a whole lot of narrative individuality. Just A really charming level of personality like you like the characters you root for for them but it's it's by no means breaking new ground when it comes to like high schoolers fall in love one of them's more popular than the other one's more shy than the other one's richer than the other like that's that's all well-trodden territory and yet it feels fresh and lovely well
1: you know what it's so it's so rare that the the person who is less popular is also rich. I thought that was kind of an interesting switch up.
0: I absolutely thought the same thing. Usually the rich kid is um uh well um what's her name from Clueless?
1: Yeah, or Freddie Prince Jr. and cheese all that.
0: Exactly. Muffy Crosswire so. from Arthur.
1: <laughs> is that her name? Muffy Crosswire? Yeah it is, yeah. That's a badass name. You know who did the music? Do you know who did the music for Magic School Bus?
0: Uh Little Richard.
1: That's insane. Yep. That's that's news that we didn't uh talk about Little Richard. Possibly.
0: Another one that people like really took hard because like or maybe maybe just like famous people who were inspired by Little Richard have taken it really hard. Well, I think
1: in turn he was so huge. Like he's like who inspired like Mick Jagger. Like yeah. he's up there with Chuck Berry for or, like why people got into music i think so yeah yeah anyways that was a quick aside <laughs> um do you want to uh do you want to recap this next uh, gem of a show
0: sure um okay okay or um, do you have
1: more to talk about uh normal people not really
0: um just that like yeah i watched the second episode and they do get right into the physicality of their love um there's the ASMR with the kissing is a little much. I don't care for it.
1: I thought that was a little noisy.
0: It was a little noisy. There is a like a really um probably the most literal fork in the road since Castaway. I don't know if you picked up on it.
1: I was I had a problem with that. Like that didn't have to be in it at all.
0: Right. I knew you'd notice that it because was... you remembered it about Castaway, and so I wanted to make that mention. Cause like it's so literal.
1: <laughs> well he while he pulled up to it, I went are they doing a fork in the road thing? Like, yeah. is this actually supposed to... They were. He, he stops and then he
0: like backs up and veers into the other lane because he does yes. like her.
1: Yeah. Which there's a million other ways to do that. That's right. Whatever, BBC. Uh, do you think this is the answer to um to uh, what is that show that was on HBO? The one with uh, <laughs> the teen crazy, the one that made us both uncomfortable?
0: Well, shit, I don't know.
1: What was that? The one with Zendaya.
0: Oh, Euphoria. Euphoria, yes, thank you. Do Do you think
1: this is the British response to Euphoria?
0: I don't think it feels anything like Euphoria.
1: But it's just like a coming-of-age story set in different places. Like, this is what teens are doing in Ireland. This is what teens are doing. Maybe that's the difference. It does not quite capture the culture as much as it is just capturing a, a love story between two kids.
0: Yeah, I think that euphoria has its merits, and many of them are the reasons we got uncomfortable, but euphoria very uh, deliberately timestamps itself, whereas yeah. love, love is forever, right? Like, it's just two people. Like, it's not, it's not about how in 2020 everyone has smartphones and does Molly. It's, it's about how right. these, these two people want to fuck.
1: Yeah. And that is a timeless story.
0: <laughs> That's right. Tale is old as time. <laughs> All right, very true. I'm going to recap the first episode of "I Know This Much Is True," also based on a book and on HBO, starring Mark Ruffalo. Uh, You count me down, but I'll I'll do my own timekeeping.
1: Okay, sweet. Uh, So you're going to recap "I Know This Much Is True" in three, two, one, go.
0: Mark Ruffalo plays twins, one of whom is a paranoid schizophrenic named Thomas. At the beginning of the episode, Thomas goes into a library, uh, starts reciting this weird like Old Testament shit and produces a machete and cuts his hand off. uh, And everybody's horrified. Um, They go to the hospital. His brother Dominic is kind of responsible for him. Um, uh, Thomas is not cooperating and ultimately the hand is can it cannot be saved. Uh, There's a flashback to three years ago when their mother is dying and their stepfather is very unsupportive emotionally of both of them. Also, Dominic is uh, trying to learn about his father. So he hires Juliette Lewis. Who's a translator to translate his father's manuscript From Italian into English And then she comes over one night and she's drunk And they have a big explosion And things aren't great for Dominic or anybody For that matter um, Did I, I miss any major things, points?
1: I think one of the things you, you missed Or maybe misstepped Or just in the way that you might have been thinking about it You said a manuscript about his father But by, it's a manuscript his about his Right? No, it's his grandfather
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe I did know that.
1: It's his mom's dad, but I think you're everyone in the audience is supposed to be realizing, oh shit, his grandfather raped his mom.
0: Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. I mean, she, there, there is a scene where he's asking, well, his mom's still alive. He's kind of like prodding her for info about granddad, and she shuts it down right away. And he's like, why can't we ever talk about this? And she just goes upstairs. Um, and so obviously there was some kind of trauma that she didn't want to to bring up.
1: Right. And then the manuscript Juliet Lewis is like very hesitant to she's like okay well first of all he's like piece of shit. He's got like a really weird uh like perverted thing with his daughter uh and the way that he talks oh. about women in general and yeah. And so I think you're supposed to take away which which I mean is like the one time because I was so frustrated. I was like, why wouldn't this lady just talk about the dad? Yeah. That is like the one time where it's like, literally, you would be doing way more damage to go down that road than to just keep it a secret to take that to your grave. Right. So how is that
0: going to mirror the story involving the twin brother, Thomas, who has, um, uh, you know, a handicap? He's like, he's 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 schizophrenic. And that, that causes Dominic a whole lot of trouble because he's kind of the only like... He's the he's the only like responsible, capable person in Thomas's life who can help him. But he himself has his own uh, demons, and so like how how does the fact that he's having family troubles relate to the grandfather backstory? Do you know?
1: I think it's I think it's just an extra element added into a, a like I'm going to say it two shitty lives, shitty it's lives sad to watch.
0: It's oh my like, god! In the end, so. Uh, in the timeline where uh, Thomas has cut off his hand and it's horrifying, and by the way, my policeman friend once told me a story about a person around here who cut off their hand to get away from uh, uh, a charge, frankly, and as he told the story, we were sitting in the Micmac Tavern, and I got tunnel vision and kind of passed out in the (laughs) the Micmac Tavern, so like, for some reason, the severing of hands is just as troubling as me to me as uh, the slitting of throats. And so when this happens in the first two minutes of the series, I was like, what am I getting myself
1: into? Oh, yeah, it was rough.
0: Cuts off his hand in the, in the library, and then uh, it's kind of a criminal case because he's done this horrific thing in public. He didn't hurt anybody, but it's, like, horrific. And so after he's out of the hospital, he has to be delivered from the care facility where he's... He feels safe to this like really horrible care facility where it's kind of like a prison and they get there and oh, it's
1: a, it's a public prison.
0: It is. And, and, and they're just like kind of being savage towards Thomas and Thomas keeps saying he has to go pee and then they don't let him and he ends up peeing on the floor. And Dominic is like, I'm not leaving here without him. You're not taking him in. And he's, it's like very uh, aggressive. It's horrifying. It's so sad because like nothing is going to go well for these two, two men.
1: It is the saddest thing. It's such such a highlight reel for Mark Ruffalo though. I kept trying to see that as a positive like, whoa, this guy is winning every Emmy.
0: It is so true and it is such a pleasure to get to see him really act again and I love, you know, The Hulk, The Bulk, but yeah. but I mean like he is a a tremendous actor and it's it's really nice to see that. And I mean like I have a little list of um different instances where one actor plays twins. Um, and, okay. and sometimes it really works and sometimes it really doesn't Christian Bale in the prestige. That's a bit of a spoiler, but you had time. Right. Yeah. Uh, Lindsay Lohan in the parent trap. This is an all time. Um, mm-hmm. Paul Dana when there will be blood, which I haven't seen, but I guess he plays two people in that. Um, does he? I guess it was on the list. I found, uh, Lisa Kudrow and oh. friends. She does, uh, briefly play, uh, her, her own sister in that right. Adam Sandler plays both Jack and Jill. um, <laughs> Army Hammer in the Social Network, which is a bit of a an asterisk next to that one because they did have another dude do the physicality of one of the twins, and then they just okay. CGI'd his face and voice. Uh, James Franco in The Deuce, Leonardo DiCaprio in The Man in the Iron Mask, Tom Hardy in Legend, and an uh, honorable mention for Tatiana Maslany in uh, Orphan Black, who I guess she's not exactly he plays like
1: a million people. She's not
0: exactly twins, but yeah, it, it is a very specific skill set. Um, did you did you mention Paul Rudd? no that's a good one though paul rudd last year yeah oh yeah were they twins is that what oh clones
1: they were clones that's right but still you gotta gotta give it that
0: well and it's it's especially difficult if, if a lot of care has been taken in the crafting of the story for these two people to be really unique and i mean you can't get more different than dominic and thomas where one guy is like i mean his it's just his physicality is really different too he's heavier set as thomas like it's totally i don't know how they pulled that off but like it they really feel like different people other than the fact that thomas is still like handsome mark ruffalo with like mark ruffalo's cool voice (laughs) you know what i mean
1: yeah i don't know it totally went away for me when i when he was thomas good that's good like i was just like oh god this is tough to watch how about when he ran across that highway when he
0: got out of the car and he just ran across the busy highway
1: I thought Thomas was going to end right there. That
0: was terrifying. I
1: thought the show was going to be about them, him dealing with Thomas' death.
0: Yeah. So this is... Uh, it's which based on which a, would
1: be the only thing that could make that more depressing. It would be more
0: depressing, but also, like, Dominic, <laughs> then he could get out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: It's he, he, It's honestly the most depressing hour of television I've ever watched. About
0: it, it. it was so brutal. And the the Julia Lewis thing, by the way, is crazy. So, like, he hires her to translate the book and she seems like kind of kooky but professional and then he's at home one night and there's just a knock on his door and it's juliette lewis who he has a strict and very short professional relationship with and she's hammered and she's overtly coming on to him she like asks for a drink she says they should order a pizza she puts on music and then she accuses him of sexual harassment and she storms out it's psychotic
1: And then she, like, also storms out of the program. She's no longer enrolled in the, the you know, translator uh, linguistic program that she's in in the university.
0: Like, can you imagine if you hired a person to, like, hem a pair of pants for you, and then they knocked on your door and asked for a beer?
1: Yeah, and then <laughs> you never got your pants back? Right. And you went to the establishment, and they're like, hey, no, you made a side deal," which was dumb. Yes. Like he just walked into an office and said like, Hey, I'll pay you $400. Also, was it only $400? Because
0: I, I tried to work at the math when she initially said it'd be eight bucks a page. And I was like looking at this manuscript and I'm like, that's at least 400 pages. This is going to be a $5,000 translation.
1: Oh, well maybe it was more than that. I thought, I thought I remember hearing $400.
0: I think it was $400 down.
1: Oh, that's what it was.
0: You're yeah. right.
1: So and that's then, what, yeah, that's a very expensive job.
0: And he, uh, he also has an ex-wife who is Catherine Hahn, who I've often said, I adore. I think is great in She's everything. She's great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. She's great in this. Um, I kind of thought the whole Juliette Lewis storming into the house um, and asking for a drink thing, I thought she was going to like try to break it to him, the, the intricacies and the difficulties with this transcript.
0: Right. Well, I mean, more is going to come out of it. She's going to be back in the show
1: yeah definitely yeah when does she come back in the show too well that's the thing too because there's a time jump there's a three-year so, time gap
0: and also it's, so you don't know it's set in the 90s right like i know the book came out in 1998 and i don't know it, it are we just keeping it in the 90s because that's when the book came out could it be serviceable in modern day or is it best to just leave it where it was because smartphones complicate plots
1: I mean yeah, I think it's one of those things where it was written in the time it was written in, so if you've got the budget HBO to do it, why not just make it a carbon copy of what it was?
0: Also, it's just, if you have the license not to have smartphones in your in your story good because they just complicate every plot. Like, I find when I write stuff, I just write in an alternate universe where people don't obsess over their smartphones which wouldn't make Kurt Vonnegut happy but it's just too complicated to have to factor in the 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 smartphone into your plot because it's so central in our lives and I want to write about that
1: well that's a good point and it's it it was written without smartphones in it so it's like it's almost more difficult to like let's change this phone call to a text well it's
0: it's a and maybe that's a good example I'm not even sure how this show would be impacted by that it's just for some reason what I'm using to define the difference between twenty twenty and nineteen ninety eight um I just wondered in a broader scale like was would there be any reason to move it up to now, but probably not
1: I don't think so you could you could basically do the exact same thing, but without a cell phone, yeah, the cell phone just wouldn't appear. What do you think about the
0: god themes because he he recites this very like ominous i don't know if it's scripture, but it's it's clearly about like god fearing uh when he cuts off his hand and then he he like he at the care home he's like doing finger painting or something and he does some other weird god stuff like is he is he possessed i don't want to say that but like or like what's going on with him spiritually thomas
1: well i think a big thing about uh you know paranoid schizophrenia is thinking that you know uh, being a paranoid schizophrenic, there's a lot of someone else's is, is running my life. and Sure. There's all these like signs and stuff. So I, I think that's all it was. I, although I'm sure that religion is going to be well, religion already is like his mother, I think was very, very Catholic. Maybe. And I think he mentioned that in the, in the breakdown. So obviously one of them took that, um, differently than the other not to say that that was the reason that he is schizophrenic because that's genetic, no, no, but
0: no yeah it was it was a tough watch um okay Ugh. well i i i do give my ass to normal people i'm not sure if i said that i oh, want yeah, so I. I, I want to give my ass to i know this much is true because i'm just really impressed by mark ruffalo and I, I know that like it was like at the time it was the next big book wally lamb put this book out and oprah put her sticker on it and and like that's cool I, I don't wish bad things for this show, but it's not for me.
1: You're not going to watch It's one of those, like, it's hard to say I don't give it my ass, but, like, I'm not going to watch this show. It, Would I recommend someone to watch this show? If they asked me, I'd be like, oh, man, the acting is amazing. It seems like an interesting story, but it is just such a bummer. You don't want to watch Manchester by the Sea back to back to back to back to back. To back.
0: Right. Well, you know what? though, This seems to be in a long line of... HBO shows that we've covered on this pod that are a little bit like this. Like I've talked before about the blue hue on these shows, these like really dreary, well-acted dramas. I mean, the outsider was a little bit this, although I only watched the first episode and I know it had like a supernatural component to it. And it was also like riveting to a lot of people. And I think a lot of these shows are riveting. There's no consistency for what I happen to be a fan of, but just a lot of shows that are so grim in their pilot episode,
1: right that all
0: the all the great acting in the world can't make up for for how sad i feel when i watch it
1: the the outsider was a little more exciting too okay it was more of an action
0: um not on the too, pilot that though
1: this no you're right you're right
0: yeah
1: it was more establishment um yeah i don't know i think it was also the the fact of like there's no way that this could happen like this is so real
0: sure yeah Well, that's, that's actually something Becky said. She always says the, she always has like the tightest way of summing up how I feel. Um, in the, that horrible scene we just talked about where, uh, they're struggling in, uh, like booking him at the jail. And, uh, Dominic is like, I'm not leaving here. And, and Thomas is really upset and it's just loud and chaotic and aggressive. They wrestle him to the ground. And Becky just said, this is what it's really like. And I was like, oh, you're right. This is, this happens. This happens every day. People are just totally. People's families in shambles, and it's just like it's just boiling over.
1: Totally. And how how do you keep it together? Like he's doing what like anyone in that situation would do is just be. You're you're just so emotional, yeah, that like you're going to start like, you know, you're pushed to the point of pushing cops, yeah, to be like that's my brother, and he's not well. But on the, save
0: on the other hand, these cops are like so desensitized or guards or whatever they are. They're so desensitized that they have no humanity in their observation of these people who are people. And like they're just kind right. of being tough guys, right? These right. characters in particular.
1: What they needed was a, 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 what was it, Joe and Sarah from Survivor?
0: <laughs> Tony and Sarah. You're right. Tony and Sarah. Cops are they us were with not big Tony hearts. Tony and Sarah. You're right.
1: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
0: It was good. It was. I don't want to say uh, it's bad. I don't want to say I don't give up my ass, uh, but I don't.
1: But we we don't. <laughs> we don't as a show. We realize this is going to be like a heavy hitter for Emmys. But, man, I don't know how you finish it.
0: We have a couple of good shows to look forward to in the next few weeks. Uh, we've got the Snowpiercer show coming. We've got Space Force, which I think is going to be a blast. Um, I yeah. saw the trailer. Did you see the trailer? Yes. My brother pointed out to me how much uh, Steve Carell seems to be emulating the the physicality of Mike Pence. That he seems to be kind of doing a Mike Pence
1: just oh interesting
0: posture. Um, Also, uh, I think they're going to really lean into uh, the obvious with this show. As Ben Schwartz's character's name is Tony Scarapaducci.
1: Yes, F Tony Scarapaducci. The initial F Tony (laughs) Scarapaducci. So that's gonna um, be fun i think so too um oh there was one other thing that i wanted to talk about quickly uh show oh upload you know the redheaded headed bellboy yeah that is greg daniel's son
0: yes you told me oh did i yeah last episode yeah it was in the pod
1: and he also um is in space force
0: yes you said that too
1: oh my god <laughs> but i'll never forget not now that's good and well yeah because i told you twice <laughs> you'll probably tell me next week too It should you'd better if we're watching space force then
0: i don't know if it's out next week but as soon as it is we'll be sure to cover it because where else do we have to be
1: we should also watch uh snow the movie
0: oh interesting do you want to do a movie slash tv show Snowpiercer?
1: oh that'd be fun yeah i'm down all right why not? And if Space Force happens to be out, so be it. Well, we got time. Like I said, we've got we've got time to absorb content.
0: All right. Well, I don't have a Will Smith thing. It occurs to me I forgot I wasn't really on it today. To be honest. like I said, I've had a I've had a taxing week.
1: Sure. Um, well, let me just uh, quickly pull the Google machine up for some Will Smith news.
0: So often our Will Smith facts have just boiled down to what came up on the red table talk this week, and it seems they're still doing the red table talk because they're in quarantine. Usually, something gets said that's controversial enough that we can spin it into why you shouldn't trust Will Smith.
1: Okay, so th- this is the this is the fact that you read last week, which is Jada, Jada Pinkett Smith realized she doesn't know husband Will Will Smith. Although that was an article that just came out yesterday.
0: Yeah, um, I mean that's that's definitely a red flag. Not knowing your husband be, of twenty years because of
1: quarantine. Okay, so that's one. Uh this next headline says, Will Smith's Plan for after Earth to be a shared universe bigger than Marvel's okay here's okay here's this is great <laughs> where you don't. this is Smith. great <laughs> he he just walks into this series which we haven't seen yet, or have we seen after Earth has that out yet? I don't know. Uh, anyways, he intended After Earth to become a transmedia experience that rivaled the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> Will Smith, I d- like, not only do we not trust you, but also you're crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, here's the thing. I'm, I'm writing a book, and I intend for it to be better than A Tale of Two Cities and The Iliad and also the Bible. <laughs> like, right. It, it's, that's the plan, anyway.
1: Right, and to a lesser degree, Harry Potter. Right. Right. <laughs>
0: Well, those are some lofty goals, Will Smith.
1: Yeah, we'll get it together, man. You ain't no Iron Man. You ain't no. You know what you are? You're uh, some kind of that some
0: d- kind of Suicide Squad, I think. You're some kind of Suicide Squad.
1: <laughs> You're that homeless um, superhero from that movie.
0: Oh, Hancock. Hancock. Thanks Everyone's favorite that. action hero, Hancock. <laughs>
1: You are Hancock. (laughs) Never trust Hancock.